don't go and get in your car without knowing where you want to end up. Yes. And I feel like for our health, it's the same thing. Like, like, what do we want our health to look like? What do we want? Like, what does overall well-being and a sense of thriving like really mean to us? Hello, everyone. Welcome to this exciting episode today. We have a wonderful guest with us, Dr. Madeline Hardacre. Thanks for coming, Dr. Hardacre. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you. You just could not be a better fit for what we're talking about today. We are talking all about physical wellness as one of these main pillars that we focus on so that we can optimize our health and wellness. Mm-hmm. So this is something that you have, have built your whole career around and, and sort of mm-hmm. transitioned through different aspects of health and wellness. And we're going to dig into that today. So I'm excited to talk about it. First, will you give us um, kind of your stance on physical wellness as just the big, this big pillar of who we are? Why is it so important? First of all, just when you like the term wellness just kind of gets like thrown around a lot with lots of different focuses and meanings behind it. But I like to think of it personally as just kind of our daily habits that are um that have a purpose of improving our physical health or our mental health. And so, um, you know, that's kind of the first thing to think about is like, well, okay, what is really wellness? And then within that, okay, what is our physical wellness? And like, what does that exactly mean to us? And, and to me, I just think of it as like how we take care of our body and, um, and all the different aspects of it and, and in just how we move and how we prevent, you know, uh, chronic diseases and how we, um, just really, um, take care of our overall, um, self through those daily habits. So when we look at our physical wellness, I think the thing that comes to people's mind to women's mind first is if you say, how is your physical wellness? How are you taking care of your body? And I have asked people this in, in clinic, you know, how are you taking care of your body? And instantly they say, well, I could lose a little bit of weight. Why is this? Do you think, why is it that we use this as the metric for our physical health is this is how many pounds I weigh? Because in my mind, really, there couldn't be a less significant metric in some ways. I mean, so Dr. Hardaker, you are an OBGYN like mm. I am. And this is something that we have to talk about as doctors sometimes is your weight and your BMI as a predictor of diabetes and heart disease. So there is something to be said for weight, but why has this become the all important value of how our physical health is doing? You know, it's an interesting question. And I always like, I, I try to figure it out myself, like where in our culture did we teach like to use that number on the scale as an evaluate as a way to evaluate like our overall health, just because it's simply like I, I tell my my patients all the time, like really that number is just like a physics equation. Like <laughs> totally. Like, like when we talk about our weight and it has to do with like the gravitational pull, like it really is not. <laughs> you know, something um, like, yes, it can be a data point, but our overall physical health is like so much more than that. So let's talk about what should our metric be? What should we be looking at in terms of our physical health? Mm -hmm. If we're not looking at weight, then what do we look at? How do we know if we're healthy or not? 
you know, when I meet with people and we start talking about, because so frequently when I initially meet with somebody, they are wanting, um, like if I say, okay, like what are you really working on in your health? Like the first thing that will come up and so many times is I want to lose weight. Yes. Okay. Then it's a matter of like, okay, but what do you, like, what does that mean to you? What does that really look like? And I think in their minds, like that's like the metric that's easiest to follow. Yeah. So like it, it's like that comes to mind as far as like, okay, it's something like very objective that I can watch at home and keep track of. And so that like is what takes them in that direction of like, okay, like I want to lose weight because I can watch that number. But then, then when we explore, okay, what does that really though mean then? And this is getting to the answer to your question. It's like, well, I want to feel better. I want to have more energy. I want to like feel good in my skin. I want to feel confident. I want to be like, and there are just all these other components that really have to do with their overall well-being. And I think, you know, in the women that I work with, I feel like those, like when you really get into that aspect, that's when they really start feeling healthier. Yeah. Is when we're when we're working on that overall well being and and their energy level and how they move and how they you know those aspects. Yeah, absolutely. I've thought about it a lot. As you know, if you lived on a desert island somewhere and you were there by yourself, you wouldn't care how many pounds you weighed. You wouldn't care about cellulite or muffin top mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. else. You wouldn't care even how you looked in a bikini. Mm-hmm. You would just want to be able to do cartwheels on the beach and find your coconuts and, you know, do whatever it is you you want to do. Like your cholesterol level, like you wouldn't be fixated on any particular lab value or you you would just want your body to work. You would just want to feel good and want your body to do what you're asking it to do. And I think, you know, so many women, when I really explore that, that's what they want. And if you look at there's, there's actually some scientific data behind this. Uh, like if people, and, and I bring this up to the women I work with, but like if your goal and your focus is like a number on a scale versus your goal and focus is like these other things, like you're much more successful with weight loss when your reasons are, you know, feeling how like, having that health, having more energy, being able to, to, you know, move in a healthy way, like all of those things, when that's your focus, it's much more, um, like it elicits a lot more change than just focusing on the number on the scale. Absolutely. And I think that is so important because that relationship with the number on the scale can be really unhealthy because it doesn't reflect what we're really going for. And it in fact can reflect the wrong things. Like we all know this, if you starve yourself, you can weigh less on the scale. Mm-hmm. Is that better health? Mm-hmm. No. no. Is it a decreased chance of heart disease? Well, Maybe, mm-hmm. but like it's an increased risk of all of these other bad things. So your net is an absolute loss. Mm-hmm. So the scale mm-hmm. can be really deceptive. Now it can be valuable because it is objective, right? So mm-hmm. you put these lifestyle changes in place and you can see that number going down. Mm-hmm. For some people that may be a good boost to sort of mm-hmm. get started with, but it's certainly 
not the end all be all. And I agree with you. I don't think it's the greatest motivator. I think people get burned out watching the number on the scale and they, they feel like failures. And so they quit. It creates so much drama in, yes. in their minds. And, you know, and I have this conversation all the time with people because they're like, well, how often do you want me to get on the scale or how often should I weigh? And I said, well, let, you know, it's always I'm like, you know what, this is actually something that we really need to discuss because I need to understand what you're going to make that number mean. If we can use it as a very objective data point that is just completely neutral and it just helps us make decisions based on, you know, make decisions about your nutrition or your exercise or, you know, whatever, then that's fine. We can use that. But if it's going to cause a lot of, you know, emotions, um, we don't we don't really need it. I had this experience after I had my baby that I wanted to like everyone, right? We're not immune to, you know, wanting these things. And I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to get back to my pre-pregnancy weight. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to feel better. And Mm -hmm. so I did an elimination diet, a whole 30 sort Mm -hmm. of, um, Mm -hmm. diet for a month. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe, I think I lost two pounds after a month of what I felt like is a pretty radical change in my Mm -hmm. eating. And I lost two pounds but my pants were an entire size smaller because so much of what I had been carrying around was like bloat and water and Mm -hmm. discomfort there. And that was so much after the fact, it was such a good reminder for me that that's really what I care about. You know, I could bend over without getting a little cramp or without my Uh pants digging in and Mm -hmm. I could move around and I could go for a run and feel great and energized. I had so much energy, like who cares that I only lost two pounds. My body looked better. My body felt better. My clothes fit better. Like it was such a good reminder for me, even doing all of this and knowing all of this, like, oh yeah, like this is really what I care about. Yeah. You know, and I had that exact, uh, very similar conversation last night with somebody that I was working with because, you know, I periodically do kind of a check-in on their initial goals that we had set and how they're, um, you know, feeling about, um, about those goals and kind of reevaluating everything. And um, she had not made any change in the scale, which was one of her initial goals. But along with that was she wanted more energy and she wanted to feel like herself again was one of the things that, you know, had come up in our initial visit and, and just have energy. And, you know, and she had this list of things. And when um, we were kind of checking in yesterday, last night on that, she was like, you know what? She was like, it's funny because like, I don't even care that the scale hasn't moved. She's like, because I feel like myself again, I feel better. I have my energy. Like, and so it was just a matter of like tweaking different things that just got her feeling good again. And it had nothing to do with the number on the scale. Like she thought that weight loss would make her feel better. And this is partially our fault as the medical community, right? I mean, this came from the medical community of using this metric, using this marker Mm -hmm. of your mass, Mm -hmm. (laughs) your body mass Mm -hmm. to mean something about you. And Mm -hmm. it's not completely disconnected. I just think that there are better things that we can can look at a person Mm -hmm. and help a person with to help them really get to a better place of physical health than their body mass. (laughs) How much they weigh, right? And 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 I have another example with somebody that I um, that I am currently working with. In that, um, she also had equated weight loss with her overall health, but through changing her diet and cooking at home and doing a number of things, like she has 
corrected her prediabetes. She has um, normalized her lipid profile. She so so you know her chronic disease risk is much improved. The yes. cell hasn't changed, but she's yeah. much healthier by you know other parameters that we use. So you mentioned this a little bit before, but let's let's dig into this a little bit more. What metrics should we be using then? If you talk to a patient, a client comes to you and they say, "I want to be healthier. I want to feel better." How do we measure that? My personal answer for that is I ask them what that looks like to them, you know, because ultimately when we're meeting with somebody, we have like their agenda for their health and we have our agenda for their health. And yeah, there's all kinds of labs and tests I could do to, and, you know, these things that that we're talking about that I could use to determine their overall health. But ultimately what's important for change is what they view health to be for them. And I've realized that like, that can be much different. Like when I talk to people and we really dig into it, sometimes it looks much different to them than what I would say, like, okay, this is what you need for your health. And so, you know, and so I think there's a balance there. Like, I don't mind educating people and saying, okay, like, well, you know, based on these lab values, these are some things where you could improve. But ultimately, I always come back to what do they want for their health? What does healthy look like to them? And then work from there. My listener, wherever you are, I hope you pay attention to this and really give it some thought because we are raised in a culture where the doctor tells you what you should be looking for in terms of your health. We, everyone wants to tell you, you know, the Instagram accounts, the news, the, the um, commercials, everyone wants to tell you what's best for you and what you should want to feel and how you, you should want to live your life. And I don't think that enough of us do the work to take a step back and say, what do I want, what do I want out of my life? And for me personally, you know, I've got two little kids for me, I want to be able to go to the park and run around with them and not feel like I'm going to die out of exhaustion. Or I want to be able to make it through the day without feeling like I need to stop and take a nap or I will pass out. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to, you know, have enough energy and enough my body to feel good that if we want to go for a hike as a family, we can go for a hike as a family. Mm-hmm. And we have to keep that motivation in check. Mm-hmm. If I'm living that way, might my scale number be fine? Yeah, probably. But who cares? Like, mm-hmm. I want to live the way that I want to live. And until we've done that work to really say, like, what do you want? What does good right. health look like to you? Then it's really hard for us as individuals to know what information to gather and how to create a structure, a lifestyle a system of wellness that's going to get us what we want because we haven't done the work to see what we want. So I'm so glad you brought that up. I just think that is so massive. And I love the question, what do you want? Because I think we feel like it's selfish. Like we should be not thinking about that. Right. But like, you have to think about it. Otherwise, what are you doing? You don't go and get in your car without knowing where you want to end up. And I feel like for our health, it's the same thing. Like, like, what do we want our health to look like? What do we want? Like, what does overall well-being and a sense of thriving like really mean to us? And when we develop that clarity and really know what that looks like, then we can start develop like our brain actually kind of like goes to work for us. It helps us 
identify the paths to get there, but we have to give it some direction. And so that's always like, you know, the initial visit that I have with people is really defining what that is. And then we periodically come back to it and look and say, okay, like, do we need to modify this at all? But we want to make sure we have a really clear vision of what we're working towards. And, and then I think the other important point of that is really understanding then why we want that. You know, like, why is it important for you to be able to like go to the park with your kids and keep up with them and, and, and have that level of activity and feel good. And, and when we really explore those reasons, why just have it like the deepest understanding of why those things are important to us, it really helps us drive those actions in a very like authentic, comfortable way versus like forcing the changes. I had a patient I was talking to yesterday about health and she wanted to feel better. You know, she, she had a, a bunch of different issues. She felt like her hair was thinning and she couldn't lose the weight and she felt fatigued all the time. And, um, after talking about a lot of things, she said, well, actually I feel okay. Like it's probably not worth it to me to make these big changes. Like I'd rather just feel okay. And, you know, no judgment, like that's fine. You get to decide that, that I'm 100% in favor of that. But one of the things we talked about next was, okay, but if you just feel okay right now, when you're 38, Mm -hmm. what does that mean when you're 50? And what does that mean when you're 60? Do you want to be the type of 50 or 60 year old who can get up and go for a hike or can go play with their grandkids or, you know, travel or um, be pain-free or be disease-free? Or do you, do you want to end up on medications and having pain and having these things? And I don't say that in a, like, if you don't do what I'm saying or else, right? Like, but just to, to reiterate, like, we have to think about the future and we have to think about what do we want? What do we want our lives to look like and what we're doing to take care of our bodies now translates to later. Mm -hmm. So if you're not feeling well, don't give up on that. Don't just Mm -hmm say, well, I guess this is just life because (laughs) it's going to get worse. It's going to get harder. And and there are things that we can do now to change that so that you can have a really great physical life that your body can feel good and do what you're asking it to do. You know, and it's interesting in having those discussions with people because I I had a very eye-opening experience at one point where in looking at the, in having a woman I was working with, look at that future and, and I just kind of wrongly assumed that everybody wanted a long, active, yeah. healthy life. Yeah. Like that was everybody's goal. And, and, you know, and so then in talking to her, you know, she was like, well, now, you know, my, my mother's in a memory care facility and I don't, I don't want that, but she didn't view it as what can I do to prevent, like, to keep my brain sharp and keep like, Basically, she viewed it as I don't want to live to that point, you know, and she's like, I want to enjoy my life now, live in the moment. Like, yeah, the things that she, you know, thought maybe that she wanted to do, she really didn't want to do because she wanted to be very comfortable and happy and enjoy just be living in the moment. And that was it. And not, you know, so I, so it was an interesting conversation because I was like, yeah. wow, I didn't realize that not everybody wants that long, active, healthy life. And maybe she'll change her mind or maybe she won't, but man, the conversation is so worth having mm-hmm. and exploring, you know, in that case, her, her relationship with her mom and, and sort of the probability of her having those 
those issues, but more so just where she's meeting her, where she's at and saying, this is what matters to you right now. Mm -hmm. Great. Let's talk about it. Let's see how we can optimize that because it is so funny. Cause if we're not doing that, like what's life, right? Like mm-hmm. what's the point of it all? If we're just meeting right. everyone else's criteria of what right. a good life should be like, right. Right. Let's stop. She wasn't going to make any change based on what I thought she should like. She, we needed to completely work within what, like within her agenda and what she wanted. And, and we did love that, that. but I love that. And I, I see myself as a physician, as primarily an educator, like Mm -hmm. I will answer whatever questions you have. I will teach you how the body works. I will teach you, but, but you have to decide what you want Mm -hmm. first. Otherwise I'll just be telling you what I think. And that's not very motivating. Well, ultimately, like each of like, you know, different behavior changes for a healthier lifestyle. Like if you're not driving that ship yourself, then really none of those things are going to be sustainable. Like it really has to come within. It can't come from because you feel like you should do it for some other reason, you know, to, to make somebody else happy. Like it's got to be because it's what you want. So let's talk about that. You touched briefly on this. So I think that there are, you and I have both worked with, with women who have tried fad diets or tried to make lifestyle changes, to really switch the direction that their body is going to, to feel better. And um, can we talk about how does one do that? So someone comes to you and they say, look, I really want my body to feel better, or I want to be able to go run a marathon, or I want to be able to, to have this, this something with my physical health, but I've tried these other things. They fail after a month. What, what do I do? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. You know what? I um, work with people to see that big picture and understanding, understand that it really is a lifestyle change. It's not mm-hmm. like, so every step of the way I'm always asking, like, as they make changes, like, does this feel sustainable? Like, is this something that you view or feel like you could do for a long period of time or for the rest of your life? Because what we're trying to do is find ways to, uh, you know, to adjust their nutrition or find new uh, physical activity and, and ways to manage stress and all these things that they can really incorporate into their life, like their current life and have it last. And so sometimes, you know, I'll have, um, it's interesting because I'll work with somebody and, and like, I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, cause she was like, okay, I feel really bad. Like maybe I like, she was like, I feel like I'm making all of this progress, but I don't know if you see it. And I'm like, oh no, like, I like, like, and I think it was, it all came back to that number on the scale again. She's yeah. like, but I feel like I'm like leaps and bounds. Like I, you know, in, in her, like how she's viewing food and how she's like, and so, you know, I really t- try to express to people that it's just like, you know, it's kind of, um, James Clear has a book, Atomic Habits. I don't know if you've read that, but yeah. you know, just those 1% improvements just add up over time. And so, you know, I'm not in, like, I would much rather them take 
a long, slow road and ultimately end up in a situation where it's just a new way that they're living that is completely sustainable and healthy versus quick, rapid weight loss that they can't sustain. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not looking for that you know, but just helping them understand that long-term, like have that long-term vision and understand that if they take it slow and steady and make these changes and, and figure out ways that to really incorporate these things into their life, um, then it will be sustainable long-term. And so what are some of those little things that you've worked with a lot of women to help improve their health? What are the most common things that come up? Like getting down to the facts here, like what are the physical um, habits that women need to feel the best? Are there a couple, three, four or five things that you have seen over and over and over that really matter to help a woman's body feel and work the best? You know, the number one thing that comes to mind and people are always surprised that this is like one of the things I'll focus on like right at the beginning, but is sleep habits and getting like a really good nighttime, like bedtime routine and getting a really good, consistent, like morning routine, like in that. So that last hour of the day before they go to sleep. And then that first hour of the day, once they're up, like creating like beautiful consistency within those two hours when they're sleeping well, then all of these other things like fall into place so much more easily. Um, it's like, you know, if say they're trying to lose weight or make changes to their nutrition, but they're not sleeping well and they're fatigued all day and they're feeling terrible. And then they're turning to comfort food. Like, like it's, it's all like, they're swim, right. It's all related. And they're like swimming upstream. And so I would say definitely like the biggest bang for your buck can be just really developing good routines on each time, like each end of your sleep. Will you give us an example? Like what's an example of a great one hour before sleep and a great waking hour? Just one example. Yeah, I know there's so, a million ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. A million ways to do it. But, you know, I'll tell people to like, say I'll have them define what their, what is their bedtime? So mm -hmm. say 10 PM, they're going to be in bed, lights off, everything put away. Um, so I'll say starting like I, I asked them to like kind of set a timer or something to remind them, but say at 8.30 or 9 and then start their bedtime routine at that point. Have all electronics put away. Identify things that are very calming or soothing to them. So whether it's a warm bath or a warm shower or, um, you know, music that's relaxing or, um, or reading a book, like a paper paper book, not electronic <laughs> book, but really going back to the old school paper book um, or a um, meditation or some journaling or light stretching or like uh, relaxation yoga or like, or maybe it's just like nice conversation with their spouse, like, but things that just feel calming and soothing, not social media, not like... <laughs> you know, really identifying. Cause like some people will be like, no, like scrolling social media helps me turn my mind off. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but you know, so, so creating a routine and consistency with, like I said, warm bath and a book, then lights out at 10 PM, 
And then, and then in the morning, um, kind of identifying the same kind of thing where you have a consistent time that you get out of bed. Um, I really love some kind of like little gratitude practice or something where you're just starting the morning off with, with um, something really positive. Yeah. Um, so whether it's like some intentions for the day or a little gratitude practice or something, not immediately going to email or social media, but just then spending time for that first 45 minutes or, or so to, I mean, I, I do enjoy coffee. So I have my black coffee. I have my dogs with me, but it's just like my quiet time. And so, but finding some kind of consistent thing. And then if sleep is an issue, there is a lot of science that having a little exposure to first morning sun is really good for setting that circadian rhythm. So like getting outdoors for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, once the sun is coming up, can help set your circadian clock so that you're sleeping better at night. Man, so many good things there. I I know that there are going to be some busy women and busy moms who will say, yeah, that sounds great as if, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's so hard. And I just want to validate, like it is hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard. I have two little kids and this is something that I've been working really hard at. And and it is hard because if you have a baby that's still waking up at night or a five-year-old who's still waking up at night or a dog that's still waking up at night. Like we are not in complete control of our own schedules and we recognize that. And so I, I guess I just want to say like, it is hard and you are right, but it's worth it too. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. And I think, yeah, you're bringing up a great point. Yeah. My kids are grown now. So it's really like easy for me to, to say this. Um, and, um, but focusing on what you can do um, and not throwing in the towel and saying, well, just because I have little kids, like there's no way I can focus on my sleep because yes, say exactly. if you focus on what you are able to do on the nights when you can't like just knowing that, okay, when I'm able, I'm going to have this routine. And when I'm able, like, and, and just doing it as frequently as you can will help. And if you can't do it for an hour, do it for a half an hour or for 10 minutes, but have some sort of gateway activity that it trains your brain and your body Mm -hmm. to say it is now nighttime. And I do think the social media is a huge Mm -hmm. thing. I am so guilty of this. I still scroll social media at nighttime because I do. And Mm -hmm. I, I, in fact, last night was doing it at night before bed. And I noticed myself feeling kind of that anxious or FOMO or like, Mm -hmm. Ooh, I got to do that. And I got to do that. Ooh. And I need to do it the way that they're telling me to do it. And I had to like, turn it off and be like, Oh gosh, okay. Mm -hmm. This is not what I want in my Mm -hmm. life. And so it goes back to that motivation. Like, what do you want? If you want a life filled with social media, by all means, scroll any hour Mm -hmm. of the day. Mm -hmm. But if what you want is more energy and more peace and more joy or more happiness, whatever, then recognize what it is for you that's doing it and what is not. And for me, social media absolutely gets in the way of that. And I'll stay on social media, but but mm-hmm. I have to regulate it. And I, I certainly shouldn't do it before bed because it does rev me up. It makes my yeah. brain spin. <laughs> so for sure. No, oh, I was just going to say, just like identifying those things that feel very calming, not stimulating. And, and just to reiterate what you said before, 
Absolutely. If we focus on our sleep, it seems like, well, I can't do that. But if you do, it will make everything easier. And I totally am a believer in that. It makes weight loss easier, cravings easier, staying awake easier, taking care of people, having more energy, dealing with stress, having conversations, having clear thinking, like all of that, keeping from being sick, you know, supporting our immune system, supporting exercise and digestion. I mean, it's all in the sleep. So I totally agree with that. So we, we, I asked you for maybe a few things. You said sleep, which I do agree is massive. Yeah, yeah. Do you have maybe yeah. two more things? Another thing, like if I, if I were to, to say something about exercise, my biggest um, uh, piece of advice would be to start very small and very realistic and very attainable and focus more on the commitment to yourself than the actual, like, you know, people will think, well, if I only do 10 minutes of yoga, like that's not really making a difference. And you know what? It's making a huge difference yes. in you following through on a commitment you've made to yourself. And that is the key, is learning that you can say you're going to do something that is for yourself and you're going to stick to it and actually do it. And so that's like part of the process and adding that physical activity. And so it doesn't have to be like people think that if they're going to start exercising, it has to be some initial like, right, like I'm going to train for a marathon. I'm going to go to the gym, you know, three times a week. And, and, you know, or, you know, they kind of create these really big goals and it's much more sustainable over the long term if you start small and first just focus on committing to yourself to have some intentional movement each day for a period of time and then let that build. I think that is huge. And I like using the word movement too. I I like the idea of body movement instead of exercise Yes, because our culture has put so much, um, so much um, weight on the idea of exercise. Like you exercise to lose weight, you exercise to, to be healthy. And so instantly, I think it brings up so many ideas for people about like, Oh, I'm just not good at exercising. Forget it. But body movement, move your body more. Mm -hmm. What can you do today to move your body more? Maybe that involves swinging your arms around. Maybe it involves going for a walk that you don't usually go on. But I think the idea of moving your body more Mm -hmm. because I have so many patients who say, well, I walk a lot at work and I'm still not feeling good. Okay. Well then we have to do something different, right? I think also just focusing on things that you enjoy. Yes. Um, Because like if, uh, you know, I live in an area where hiking is like, you're just amazing. There's, well, you do too. Like just amazing mm-hmm. hiking close yes. by and people will be like, oh, well, I do enjoy hiking. And I'm like, yes. Like you don't have to go to the gym, get out and go for a hike on the weekend. Yeah. Like just get yeah. outdoors in nature and move in some way. Um, yes. And just like, yeah, finding those things that, that you just enjoy doing and then doing more of it. You know, the other thing I think is, is um, as far as just like one other tip is is really taking time to identify that vision of what you want and then starting today to like live like that person, mm-hmm. like practicing that, you know, I'll tell you like, and I got this from somebody else, but like practicing like that role of the future you and just, um, you know, if 
you're trying to to get healthier and you have this vision of what that looks like to you, well, for each decision during the day, think about how would that future me make that decision? What is absolutely you know, and then living from that standpoint. And I I used this, um, yeah, I did a, a big race this summer um, that was a much longer distance than what I had done before. But I used that in my training because I like if I didn't feel like doing the distance of, of a run that was that was really needed, I would think, no, but how does that future me view this workout today? Oh, yeah. she's doing it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and so just like looking at everything from that perspective of what you want and making decisions based like from that standpoint. Kind of goes back back full circle, but using the thought work of what do you want out of life and creating the life that you want today that makes you happy and that makes you feel good. And if you if we constantly just think like, oh, I'm I'm just in this rut, hopefully someday I'll feel better. Hopefully someday I'll have a life where I feel happy or hopefully someday I'll have a life where I spend time with my kids. Like, no, 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 no. What do you want? And figure out how to do little tiny bits of it today and think about it and start incorporating that. And that works for our physical wellness and our overall wellness. So, so if we kind of do a mini recap, I think we talked about figuring out what you want, what do you want out of life? And then you, if we go out of order a little bit, we figure out, okay, what can I do today to start getting me closer? How do I start thinking about myself as that person that I want to be? And then we look at our sleep. We look at our body movement. We look at our new nourishment. We didn't talk about that, but, but, and then we just start, like you said, the atomic habits, we just start doing the tiniest Mm -hmm. little things to start incorporating that into our lives. And, and slowly over time, it will be slow, but it will be this slow pendulum shift of this is now I've become this new type of physical being this, this I've established this new type of physical wellness. And when you do it that way, you take the yo-yo out of it. Well, I love that. Thank you so much for being here with us. This has been such a fun conversation. Will you tell us, tell us how we can find you if people want to get in touch with you? Yes. um, Women's health elevated com is my website. And then I'm on Instagram also as Women's Health Elevated and Facebook. And yeah, that's the best way to reach me. And physically you are in Nevada. Uh, Reno, Nevada. And mm-hmm. offer some things for local, yes. local um, women there. What, what yes. do you have going on so, coming up? So I do um, one-on-one coaching here. And then I also have um, some uh, workshops that I do at a place called Dolce, Dolce Vita. Um, but I do some, um, wellness workshops for women, um, and on a variety of topics. And so those are really like small group, um, kind of intimate workshops that are a lot of fun. And what do you offer for women who are not right near you? Oh, um, I have um, like one-on-one coaching packages. So it's really a kind of a combo of health and life coaching, kind of depending on what people's needs are. And um, it's just a lot of, um, yeah, dis- discussion, uh, some of the things that we've, we've talked about, and then looking at kind of the challenges and barriers that kind of come up through, um, like when we're trying to, to change our behaviors and we, we work through all of that together. I love it. So if you're looking for a health and life coach, Madeline's the place to go. She is just wonderful. (laughs) So you can look her up. Thank you so much for being here. You are so welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening and come back next time for another episode. 
And remember, this information is for education only and not intended to be medical advice.